Business Podcast. Proximity is power. Registration for our executive boardroom is still open. To learn more, click the link in the description of this episode. So welcome again to another version of the Game of Business podcast. I am so excited to be joined by Vinu Keller today. She runs an organization called Vinu Inspires, and she is known as the Parent Child Whisperer. And with all that, I'm going to tell you folks that uh, I think we might tear the can of JP open and see if we can get vulnerable and share uh, some of what she does. But uh, she's been doing this for 17 years. She's got six children and one grandchildren. She has a very successful TV show um, with 1.5 million viewers a week. What was the name of that show again? Redefine Parenting. And it's also Redefine Parenting. This is awesome. I'm excited because I, as, uh, as we're going to get into it, I am a new single father having to navigate this system. So I've been looking for how, where can I go to get better in this area, right? And then there's an ebook free, I believe is what you said, Teach Your Children That They're enough so thank you so much for this and my first question is going to be how did you get into becoming the parent child whisperer so you know i think everything is by design and i think our design starts the day that we're born and to the parents that we have through the experiences that we encounter in our lives it's you know i grew up in america in california i was born and raised there and my parents were immigrants like they came from india and they had an arranged marriage. And my parents divorced, like I don't even, I was so young, I don't even, I can't even recall that my parents were even together. That's um, me too. And I grew up in Southern California, we were probably neighbors. Yeah, I, I grew up <laughs> in Mountain Valley, where'd you grow up? Well, I, I, I shouldn't say, I was born there. I was born in Southern California, moved to Oregon, lived there most of my life. But, okay. I grew up in Mountain Valley. And, you know, I grew up in a time where we were just understanding that you know, um, the difference between black, black people, white people and all that stuff. And yet now all of a sudden I'm here and I'm not black, I'm not white. And my school was predominantly white with, um, some Mexicans, a few people from, you know, um, Taiwan, Korea, you know, Asian. And then there was me. And so I don't know, like, I didn't know I was different, if that makes sense. Like, I just was a kid playing with other kids. We didn't see color. We didn't see nationality. We just saw friends playing with friends. And there was a distinct time on the playground. I was six years old, first grade, and I was chasing this boy because we're playing boy chase the girls, girls chase the boys. And this boy said, don't touch me. I don't want to become black like you. And it was in that moment, I'm like, what? Like, in my mind, I'm like, what? I'm black? What? I'm a black person? It's like all of a sudden something changed. You know, we talk about that that moment in your life that kind of shapes everything. That was that moment for me. And I was six years old and I remember it today. And so I've got a friend who's a brain doc. As I started going through some of my um, difficulties in the last couple of years, which we may decide to jump into, um, he told me that the core of who you are as a human being it come is framed at like zero to four you might have said even three zero to three or zero to four and he said that's the baseline of how you're going to develop from there so if you're a little shit during those time periods you're gonna be a little shit as a kid if you're spoiled you're gonna be spoiled you know he said unless 
a woman, and I'm going to go to the man side, so this is just picking on women. Unless a woman gets treatment in her teen years or, or, or childhood and, 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 and boys get, get treated in their childhood years, for women, they'll go, I'm not, this isn't a technical doctor term, but the woman will go off the rails in between 38 and 42, and a man will do it about 10 years later. That's what his take was as a brain doc. So I don't that's know if a, that's... I mean, I, I don't we, know. We're a little slower than y'all, so... Yeah, but I'll tell you this. Like, so my whole goal right now in life is to give kids a childhood they won't have to heal from, and that goes back to my story. And so being bullied about my skin color, not fitting in, being segregated, being left out, not feeling like I ever had my tribe. I had my one best friend and still 44 years later, we're still best friends. And, but that's all I ever really had was her. And so, and we never really had a tribe. It's kind of just us. We had a couple other girls that we hung out with, but it was just me and her always. And from first grade all the way through high school now, even as adults. And, you know, I, tried to commit suicide. Well, I wanted, I wanted to commit suicide at 13. At 13, I started praying to God that if you love me, you won't let me wake up. And I still woke up and I was still questioning if God loved me or not, because you know, God's supposed to love you and he's supposed to guide you. And my life really is not great right now. And my mom was a single mom raising two of us kids, me and my brother. And she was going to law school, working two jobs to put food on the table in California. And you know, um, but I'll tell you, it's watching her determination to be better is where I think I got it all from. It's like, as much as I missed my mom and she was not there, and I remember when I went to her to tell her that the kids were making fun of me, call me Gandhi because the movie came out, and the teachers literally just stood there laughing and talking while these kids were just making fun of me. And it's so, you find your teachers aren't there to support you. The kids, you don't have a tribe to support protect you you go home and your mom's like well kids are going to be kids you know what i don't want to live anymore like this if this is life if this is how my life is going to be if this is a snapshot i'm done and then at 15 i was the day that i was going to take my life i had the pills out i was ready to go a friend just happened to come over stop me and i will always say that he saved my life that day and um, i ended up in a psych hospital for two months and they wanted to diagnose me with depression anxiety Blah, blah, blah. Same thing that's going on right now. And here, JP, nobody asked me, what do you want? What do you need? What is missing in your life? What would you need to feel loved? Do you, do you know how to love yourself? What would that even look like? Like I got chills because like nobody was asking these questions. So fast forward, I meet this guy when I was 18. He was a Marine. He was really good looking. And see, I was bullied, never really had a boyfriend. I had one boyfriend, he broke up with me because people made fun of him. And people would say, oh, if you get married, your kids are going to look like trolls. And this becomes your internal language. Like, this is what you believe. You believe you're ugly. You believe that you don't want to have kids because they're going to look like trolls and they're going to go through what you went through. So you want to spare that. And then all of a sudden, this really good looking guy likes you and I marry him. Like five and a half months into the relationship, I marry him at 18 because I'm going to start a new life. Like I was constantly always looking for that escape plan, like always to get out, to be better, to do better. And, um, it wasn't a great relationship. You know, he was an alcoholic. There was some physical abuse, but what was great is I had two beautiful kids. I had my two boys, um, Cameron and Connor, and they're now 29 and 24. And I, 
we always say we don't want to be like our parents. And my mom yelled all the time. She grounded me. And this was just the way I living. And I'm like, I will never be like this to my kids until I was being that to my kids. I was yelling. I was taking things away. I never hit them, though. I mean, I was spanked. I grew up in an era where it was like, you know, <laughs> spoil the rod type thing, right? To bear right. the rod the child. So I never hit my kids, but I did ground them. I, phones came into play when my sons were in high school. So I was taking their phones away and I was doing everything in survival mode. But here's what I did. I parented them through my baggage. I parented them through no self-work, no self-esteem. I'm not good enough. And I'm going to kill myself anyway in 2016. So I'm just trying to get my kids graduated. Why, why 2016? Because they're going to be out of the house? Because they're going to be out of the house. The youngest at that time was graduating. So I literally found a journal years later that said, I give myself permission to leave this world in 2016 because I was going to get my kids. So what was, what was it then you, you had, you said somebody was asking these questions for you, but yet here you are fast forward. You're still asking the same questions. You're still running the same stories somewhere, right? I don't why, why are you want to check. No, 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 no. I'm talking about that point. You're still running oh, the same stories at that yes. point. Yes. At that point, the same stories were still going on, but I think it's what fueled me because in 2007, I went to my first Tony Robbins event and I thought it was in a cult because everybody was like, saying yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm like doing it. But then all of a sudden, I swear he's looking at me and he's talking to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy gets me. For Somebody in my life can answer these questions that I had. And it all came down to one answer is, Nothing has a meaning, but the meaning you give it. And this is the meaning you've been giving it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you mean I can give life a different meaning and I can live it. And fast forward to your question of how I got into this is that a good friend of mine, Lauren Lahav in 2008 said to me, she says, you have to clean up your own backyard before you go clean up someone else's. Because what we do when we have low self-worth and self-esteem, we're trying to find that compelling future. We're trying to find that purpose. So we want to help everybody around us because we masks our, we put a mask on, we act like we're doing good. We help other people because we get validation. We get worth because we don't know how to find it internally. And so I spent years working on me. And finally, I'm like, I know my purpose. I know why I'm here. It is, I need to help kids not want to commit suicide. So I really got into speaking on bullying and I started a movement called the Bullyproof Life Movement. And I wrote a book, co-authored a book called Bullyproof, Unleash the Hero Inside Your Kids. It was a bestseller on Amazon. I was the first chapter in it. And that gave me the idea. I'm like, this is it. This is what I have to do. I got to get into the schools, stop the bullying, raise self-worth, teach teachers how to support kids, not laugh not diss them, not neglect them. And I was doing that and I was at a school in Hawaii. I was doing a tour in Hawaii and this girl came to me and she said, today was my day. And I was trying to figure out what she meant by that. And she says, but I heard your, I heard this talk and you live the life I live. And if you can do this, I know I need to go ahead and live because there's something better for me too. Mm. And again, I just, I get chills because yeah, in that moment, I'm like, I got to get into homes. <clears throat> here's, I what happens, get into here's what happens too. too many of us go through the horrific stories. And I mean, yours is 
it's not horrific when compared to others. So it may be an over, over, right. But, but we go, we have our story. I mean, it's pretty horrific for me. You you actually wanted to commit suicide and we're close to doing so a couple of times. So that's, that's pretty horrific. And we don't share that story with others and how we got through it. And we just go on living our, once we get to the other side, we live, Hey, this is the dirty little secret in the past, but it's that story and the vulnerability of being able to share it that is going to make you feel um, safe for somebody else and also inspire them to make that change in, in or be that, I don't know if even inspires the right word, but make that little two millimeter shift like Tony would always talk about that says, oh, I just got to change what I'm focusing on. That's it. And I'll tell you, JP, it was in that moment that I realized that if I want to be better, I got to do better. I got to learn better. And so I started, like, I was already into behaviors. Like, I was mental, I was a mental health provider, by the way, through all of this. I was a case manager. I, at one point, I was the director of a mental so health. So wait, wait, wait. Let, let me get this right. You're a mental health provider, and yet you're suffering from mental health issues on your own, putting on some masks, showing up like you, yeah. you got your shit together, when inside you got turmoil. Oh, yes. Nobody knew outside this home that I came home and cried and I, and I yelled at myself in the mirror and I put myself down and the internal language was like, you, you are shit. You're so ugly. No wonder you're single. No wonder nobody wants you. Look at you. Like that was what I would say to myself at night. And yet I'd put a smile on my face and I would go and help my clients that had mental health issues the next day. And I would lead a team. I was the director for this place. I got us nationally accredited. We were the first place in my area that got nationally accredited because of me, for me leading them. And I gave up mental health in 2017 because mental health was not giving the the need and the support that it needed. And I was frustrated. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to get certified as a coach, which I did. I'm like triple certified at this point from different programs. Um, I'm actually the instructor for the. So you went from you went from certifiable to certified. Yes, I love it. Yes, yes. That's your that's a tagline for your story from certifiable to certified. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm gonna have to take that. That's good. That's good. So Joseph McClendon III created a the Neuro Encoding Institute, and Dr. Amen and him launched the Brain Revolution. So you were talking about your friend that you know is the brain guy. Dr. Amen is the, the brain guy to me, and I'm actually a brain trainer certified through him because I did the work to understand the way the brain works and why teenagers do what they do because their frontal lobe's not developed, and we parents have to be their frontal lobe because we have to have the executive reasoning, the, the forecast and whatnot. And so I, I, I also, I, let's talk about that frontal lobe. Can I stop you there for a second? Yeah, yeah. Because ahead. I think, you're an expert on it, but this is my, um, opinion on the frontal lobe thing. I think there's too many people that have been or are doing drugs at uh, in, in their childhood and teen years when that frontal lobe's not developed to it's 25. And now I think this is where we're starting to get a lot of mental health issues because they don't know how to process and slow or have the capacity to process and slow down and not maybe mental or, or anger management issues comes from that ability that prefrontal cortex but am i far am i far off on my no i think you're spot on actually and i think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing now you know in the 
not understanding how to organize our thoughts, not seeing long-term effects by what we do now. And by the way, boys' brains don't even fully develop till they're 28. It's girls' brains that develop at 25. The man, male brain develops at 28. Okay. And I became, not only my coach, I became the instructor for the coaching method for Joseph McClendon. So I train people how to be coaches because a lot of coaches nowadays want to tell you how it is and what they think you should be doing. And they give you a lot of opinions about, you know, I've heard this and, you know, this is what I have found. And, you know, this is what you need to do. Coaching's not that. Coaching no. is guiding, under, meeting them where they're at, uh, building that rapport, understanding what their thought process is, what their meta programs are to get them where they're at, help them shift that to see what is possible and close that gap and guiding them through questions. So I'm, I love questions. Questions are amazing. And so long story short, I realized that as I became a better parent and then God, I, I met my love of my life and we've been married for 10 years. We have twins uh, that are about to turn 11. And um, <laughs> I will say they were not planned. I always say they're the blessings that God knew I needed. And I got a redo. I parent them so different. And here's the compliment I get from my older boys. Every time they come, you parent them so different than we were parented. And I say, thank God. Thank God, because I let go of the baggage. I let go of my baggage. I have self-worth. I have are the boys Are the boys successful in what they do and happy in their life right they now? They are. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna use somebody else's phrase. You already know it, but if they'd have had the mom they wanted instead of the mom they got, they wouldn't be the men they are today. 100%. And they will tell you, so. you are the best mom. You are the best mom, and I'm like, you know what? I was the best mom that I could be at that time that you needed to have. They're they're both welders. One's married and has a child, and they both love their life. I mean, one he's 24. He's still trying to figure it out and try to find that compelling future and figure out what life's for. He's in that balance of life isn't just a party anymore. Like I got to start figuring out what I want, and he's in mm -hmm. that limbo stage. <laughs> so can we jump into the the parent child whisperer? Let's do it. So I have some questions here. So um, I'm going through a divorce. Um, I had wanted it to be all amicable and everything was going along easy. Then boyfriend number two came along and decided that I was worth more money than, uh, than uh, Elon Musk and should be sued to the end of the earth, which isn't true. <laughs> and so, and, and the thing is, I don't even care about that. The money part's not even the part for me. It's the children and I suffered through moments where she would scream out in front of all of the, all of us, I'm going to kill us all. Um, she's, I caught hot coffee thrown on my face and just disgusting nudity things that were going on in front of the girls. And I, I, if I have any, I don't have any guilt or shame or anything around how I showed up as a man, and as a husband, none. I, I did the work that I needed to do, but where I do feel a little, what I could have done better, should have done better is protect my girls, not understanding that all of those moments, all those rages that were going on, the police being called to the house to get her to stop. It, these are things that, um, was, I didn't protect my girls from that trauma. So, but now that's water under the bridge. Now I'm a single dad. How do I 
approach them. I've got one daughter who's a lot like me, which is really funny. She just finished third grade and her class voted her most likely to own a business. She was so bummed about that. Why would they say such a thing? I go, that's the best thing you can have, you know, but, but she's out of all my children, I've, I've grown son too. She's the most like me, like me. She's a go getter, go, 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 go. Um, and on the surface, it appears like the divorce doesn't even affect her. My other, my younger daughter is more of an empath. And if, and I asked her the other day, it's probably about three months ago, Sid, what's your biggest dream? And she and without pausing, she said, mom and dad get back together. I'm like, oh, that is not what I wanted and expected. I was thinking, you know, what do you want to do in life or something? But I would, so. do you ask her more questions like, wow, that, you know what? That's a beautiful dream. That is a beautiful dream for us to be back together. What would that mean to you if we were back together? What does it mean about you yeah. if we're back together? Yeah, I, I did see, that's not. What we don't it, it put it put me on a, on the back because there's no there's no chance for that. So for me to even my mind in that moment matter. to think that way, it's not even about you guys being together. It's the meaning she's making it about herself. Okay. Because if she's making it mean that, well, if you and mommy were together, that means that that I'm loved. So that's telling you that she's not feeling loved. So if there was another way that you could feel loved without mommy and daddy, what else could that be? What is love to you? Okay. It's figuring out. See, as, so kids will tell us, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. What does it really mean? Well, if I had that, then kids would like me. Okay, so what they really wish is for kids to like them. We, so we, when we they're at, when they're asking these things, you just ask them what do, what is that what would that mean to you if you had that right and what would because that look like what would that feel like like go through the the vac the visual auditory and kinesthetic with them right you know what do you what are you hearing when this is happening what are you seeing what what does it feel like to you what are you making it mean about you you know yes. because if I ask my kids. If you could have any wish, what would it be? My son will say to be in the World Cup one day, and my daughter would say to be on The Voice. And then you'd say, so if you if you were on The Voice, what would that mean to you? It means, yeah. And she's like, then people would hear me sing, and I would get to share my gift of singing, and, and they could see how good I am, and I would get voted, and then I could get a record contract, and then I could be a professional singer. And do you just keep, do you like do the seven levels of why on this thing with no, them? I don't. This, I just leave it at that. I'm like, wow, that would be amazing. Okay. Because I know in her core that she's an artist. And then for him, you know, he just loves soccer, you know. But what do we do? We, I get her voice lessons. I get him private soccer lessons. I, I let him play on great soccer teams where we have to travel all over the world on the weekends for soccer. <laughs> you know, we support them in that. And if tomorrow she says, you know, I'm done singing. Okay, what's next? I want to be a professional clothes maker. Well, we got to get you sewing lessons then. It's supporting them and what they want. And yes, you and your wife are not going to get back together. But if you could figure out what would it mean to her if you got back together, get to the core of it. Because here's what we do. As entrepreneurs in business, as parents, as human beings, we generally live at the effect of life instead of at the cause. If we live at the cause, we see the opportunity. With your wife doing whatever she's doing and stuff, and you feeling what you feel, you're living at the effect of it. The cause is the behavior. The cause is creating these other lines of issues. You can't change her, but you can change the meaning of it. You can help your kids change the meaning of it <clears throat> and the emotions that we have attached to it. Understanding that if you saw this through a window, 
and there was nothing, it was just visual, no auditory at all, you might say, wow, that person's really hurting. That person is hurting. So I think when we go back to the beginning of this, the, the first three to four years of her life were extremely traumatic. I won't get into it because it's her story. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but it was extremely traumatic. And then she had a rough childhood that which caused uh, some of those prefrontal con prefrontal cortex issues I think that happened and then it just popped out when right around 40 and just it just, I mean and here's the truth you know if I would have been more aware uh, and and had more self-love that's the truth if I'd yeah. had more self if, if I'd had more self-love I would have seen this years ahead of time but I just ate shit sandwiches to keep the peace for many years but it, but it still it wasn't to the depth of where it was until 40 hit right so but well, you could have seen truth. it coming if you knew what you're looking for here's the truth we can't change the past we can right. only change what we can change how we feel about the past you can change the future you can change how you want to take your children into the future <clears throat> do your kids live with you or her mostly it's 50 50 50 50 and making the experience always as what was great at mom's this week that's what I always do. You you nailed it. Every time they come over, hey, what'd you do? What was fun? What'd you guys, did you guys have any fun? Blah, blah, blah. I would preframe because... it with those words. What is great? Okay. What is great? And then, are were there any opportunities for you to learn? That's beautiful. I like that. What was great? And were there any opportunities to learn? My parents, I'm like, like you, I don't remember being living them living together, but they remained friends. Dad, we moved up to Oregon when I was three. Dad would fly up. He had his own, he had a Cessna. He'd fly up. And we'd all go salmon fishing together. They even slept in the same bed when he'd come up. Mm. And they had remained this, I'm going to guess they were friends with benefits, but I don't know that for a fact. But shoot, you would think so. Because mom, my mom never got married until after I was in, after I graduated college. Me too. My mom didn't yeah. get Yeah, she married my stepdad when I was like, you know, uh, in my late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, I was in my early twenties, I think, um, when they got, and they're still, and they're great. They're they're great together. I worked you know? together too since I was sixteen, and then they got married when I was yeah. No, so late. that's the model that I wanted to have. It's like because when I, I have with my son's mom, we were great friends. You know, she got to, she would come over to the house to pick him up. She just walk in the door and holler down in the basement for him because that's where we be playing video games and stuff. So, I told her, yeah, you can come on in. You don't need to. Don't need a knock for me because I'll probably be down there hanging out with them, you know? Right. So that's the relationship we have. This this is completely different. So having to navigate this with the girls when you're trying to keep it positive and, you know, you know, you know, and then Avery comes over this morning, uh, yesterday morning and she's crying. What's the matter? Mom won't let me have this. Well, she got in trouble. So I support Amy. I supported her parenting of the situation. I said, well, it sounds like you did something wrong that you shouldn't have done. I don't know all the details, but I, I would back what mom did. You know, you did something wrong, and I'm sure you guys will talk about it when you go back and, and you'll get whatever you whether toys that were taken away returned, you know. But that if, if you're going to get in trouble, you know, I can't second guess what she's going to do. Just like but she here's can't the second deal. guess me. You know, you know how Tony has taught us that we'll do more to stay away from pain than we'll go to pleasure. It's because we're raised that way. Like, why are we taking a toy? Unless she took that toy and chucked it at her face, why are we taking the toy away? Because we want her to feel enough pain so she doesn't 
do whatever she did instead of saying, teaching her that what you did is not okay. Like if you took the, if you chuck the toy at my face, I'm going to take the toy away because it's the, 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 the crime fits the time, you know, but we're so busy. And that's like, this is where I, I don't say I screwed up. I did the best I could, but I take the kid's phone away. I took the kid's phone. Away. I don't, I take my kids, um, right, right now I have all their computers, all their tablets and everything. Because what I have noticed is that when they get on their tablets and they get on with their roadblocks and they're texting their friends, they have no time for anything else. And then when I ask them something, they're rude to me. Yes. As they're too busy. Okay, mom. Oh, excuse me? Who are you talking to? And so I realized, I said, you know what? We're taking a vacation from our electronics because we are going to relearn how to talk to adults when they talk to you. And when you can learn this, then you can have this. The other thing I'm doing is we're not buying anything else because we need to learn gratitude in this house. You don't get to treat us like crap and then be like, oh, but I want this $400 birthday party. And oh, I want these. And oh, I want this. And hey, can you buy me this thing so I can practice soccer more? Oh, but I'm going to treat you like crap tonight, though. No, 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 no. We are going to learn gratitude. We're going to learn to use what we have in the house that you've already had because you have way too much. We're going to learn to appreciate it. And we're not going to put a time limit on how do I earn it back? How do you earn it back? You tell me. You tell me what's the lesson. What was that item, the tablet, doing that I took it away? How were you being? How were you talking to me? And we got twins. And we got a boy and a girl twin. So there's different <laughs> dynamics. They fight like cats and dogs. And then the minute you punish one, they're like jumping in and saving that one. So it's like, I don't know. I don't even know what to call them. But my point is, is that what I have learned and my husband's learning that we have to make the time fit the crime. There's no, I'm not going to take your tablet away because, you know, you didn't do homework, but you weren't on your tablet. That's not why you didn't do the homework. You were right. watching TV. I'm going to take the TV away then. And then I'm going to give it right back as soon as it's done. Like as soon as the homework's done, I'm going to give you the TV back. I'm not going to hold it hostage because I don't want my kids to learn that you only change when there's pain. You change because you want something better in your life. I like that concept. That's really good. Because you're right um, with that concept that we're all we're all avoid do more to avoid pain than seek pleasure. And um, I think I avoided that somehow until the last couple of years. <laughs> because I've always been this risk-taking entrepreneur and just not not, uh, not afraid to run into the the burning building of business type of thing, right? And and now with this situation, it's uh, I feel like I'm in a in a minefield with mines all around me. I don't know where to step next. Well, let's just get to the fact. She's upset because of the money. She's not upset because of you. And if you just asked her, what has to happen for you to be happy? You know, you have a boyfriend. We we have the girls. The blessing that we get we have with each other are the girls. So what do we need to do so the girls are happy? That's it. Let's just like talk about how the girls are going to be happy. So, so here's here's my issue, Vinu. I'll, I'll boil it down. Um, we have 50-50 custody. The paper's been signed by the temporary order was signed by the judge. It's been going on for over a year that way. That situation won't change unless one parent decides, okay, I won't have 50-50. What it boils down to is um, I believe that we are the cause as parents of 
disrupting their lives. And so we should stabilize and normalize as much as possible. Now our houses are two and a half miles apart. They have gone to the same school now for two years. I want them to stay in the same school and she wants to move 45 miles away. And I don't, I don't want that for the girls uh, for multiple reasons. I think to have, uh, to, to do that would force them. And especially if it was mid-year, you know, it forces them to, I had to go through mid-year school change, uh, three times in, in grade school. And, and that was very difficult for me. And this just came out in my call that I had with my coach earlier today. It was like, wow, I didn't realize just how, how, what, how many walls and protections I put up as a child moving to a new school. Right. So you, you had the race issue, but I had the new kid issue. It's, it's well, much so the same you, thing. I have some questions. So first of all, there's one question. Will it do more harm for the girls to move schools or more harm for what they're going to go through mentally because of what their mom's going to be putting them through because she wants to move. She can't. Yeah. That's a question to think about. And um, the second thing is, is if she moves 45 minutes and you guys have 50, 50, well, then she should have to drive the girls to school because if you have to drive the girls to school 45 minutes every day, then why are we changing the school? <clears throat> this is where they're settled. Why aren't they staying here? And she can move and then she could just commute 45 minutes every day. Right. So that's, that's where it comes down to. She, she doesn't want to do the commuting. There's, there's something called empathy, Vinu. Some people don't have any. Um, and unfortunately, that's where it's come down to. But I think and, I, and I'm not here to I'm not here to beat her up. Sure. I, I don't want I don't want to do that. I, what I, I want to get to is make it more about the girls. Right. right. And I think that the judge, just because we've gone through this with my husband and his girls, is that the judge is going to say, where is the girls home and where are they settled? And the and the judge is generally going to choose that. And then tell the mom, you can move, but the girls are settled here. They're happy here. They know their friends here. And they're already going through the, the, the change of divorce. Why are we going to give them another big change in the middle of it? Why not keep them comfortable? And if you want to leave, that's your choice, but then you're going to have to commute. Right. Or and work the, out a that, different arrangement and, where they're and, here. But see, even that, even that commute, Vinu, this is why I'm trying to protect them so hard. Is because, okay, so let's say she's got to come... Either way, the, whether I do it half the time or she does, the, that means the girls commute 45 miles in Houston's like could be an hour and a half. So I, one of parents got to go, let's just call it an hour. Let's say it's not the whole way. She, one parent goes for an hour, gets the kids in the car, drives them back home for an hour, and then has to turn around and take them to school the next morning for an hour. It's not going to take very long for the children to go, I don't want to go to mom's house. I don't want to go to dad's house. Wherever the other house is, and you're going to deal with that because then they also they're going to have their friends and so now it's like oh you want to go to, to dad's house this weekend i want to play with my kid my friends i mean they're getting to that age right and so i'm doing I, i'm doing everything i can hey if she could just take all the money and leave all the girls i'd, I'd take it right now just do it just go just let me have the girls because i i know it'll be in their best interest are they one week um, on one week off no we switch off in in the i have them every tuesday wednesday and then every other weekend so she has um, Monday, Thursday, Friday. She has them Mondays and Thursdays. And then if she has them on the weekend, she'll have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If I have them on the weekend, okay. I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's seven okay. and seven. Um, and, um, but that's, so I guess for me, 
is how do I continually go about navigating? Because I get nasty grams from the girls. Mom says this, mom says that. And I'm just like, okay, well, I don't feel that way. So, you know what I would say is, you know what, honey? I appreciate you saying what mom saying, but honey, this is adult stuff. And I don't, I love you too much to bring you into it. So I'm so sorry you're hearing it, but we're just going to, and then redirect and say, but it's time for dinner. Let's go eat dinner. Or it's time to go get our, our snacks or it's time to get ready for bed. You know, do you want to read a story tonight? How do we want to spend our time? Cause I don't want to spend our time talking about adult things. Like, you know, it's right. really, you keep them out of it. Like we have done that with my husband, like his ex would tell the girls things and bring them in the middle of things. And even as teenagers, cause his daughters are 18 and 15 now. And you know, even they say, we tell mom to not leave us and not bring us in the middle. And we're like, we're so sorry. Cause we, we, we hadn't for all this time we had it. I would be like when they were little, cause I've, I've been in my life since they were three and six, I would say, you know, uh, like my kids would be like, mom's the queen. And I would say, and your mom's the queen at her house. Like I would always go that extra mile to show amicable stuff, you know, and we've always, and that's one thing I'll say about her is as vicious as she's been on court papers, she is very, we're, we're, you would think that we're all best friends when we're together. Okay. I and mean, I get, and I get fighting for your kids. I do get fighting for your kids, but for me, it's put the girls first in, in the middle of all this. Right. So, um, then I guess since I'm, I'm trying to, to deal in with the parent child whisperer aspect of this and not just JP and, and Amy's situation, I don't want, I don't want it to be all about beating, beating one person up or, or anything like that. Just. And that's why I'm leaving that person out. That's why I'm saying don't even engage. Just talk about the kids. Like, I am so sorry you have to go through that, but I rather go eat dinner with you. I rather spend our time talking about us yeah. and happy things. And I think when you're saying this, I think I know I'm doing the right thing because this, yeah. the comment that was made this morning was, Oh, mom said, Oh, go have fun time with the fun parent. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I don't know why I'm the fun parent. We can both do things. I'm not spoil. I'm not a spoiler. I don't buy them things all the time like she does. I, I when we we go do things, we have experiences. You know, that's one thing I always tell my children. You buy you buy material things, they'll fade, they'll break, they'll go away, but nobody can ever take a memory away. Right. And so that's what she. So in her model of the world, she may be thinking, I don't have time to do what he does or the resources to do what he does. So of course, because the girls probably go back and be like, oh my gosh, dad and I, we went to all this place and we went on a hike and then we went on a boat and then dad took us on this train and she's not giving them experience. So she's feeling the scarcity versus the abundance of it, right? And so she's seeing that you are the fun dad. Like I think the fun dad gets the, you know, or the Disneyland dad because there's, the way that was developed was we would drop our kids off on the weekends. There was no chores, no homework, nothing. You just got to chill out. And then I had, they came back to me and then I had to, did you do your homework? Oh, I got a conference tomorrow with your teacher because you were not being nice. Oh, right. you know, you got a school project. I got to go to Walmart now at midnight because you're just telling me the project's due tomorrow. So that's where that came in. However, because you have the girls Tuesday and Wednesday, my hallucination is that you are having to do homework. You do have to check folders. You do have to carry the parents' note. If there's a conference, you got to go to it. You know, so you don't have all the fun dad, as we said. You have the responsibility. You know, hopefully the kids are, you know, third and fourth grade. They're having chores so they can learn their self worth that they belong in the house. They got Toilet house. Tuesday. Love it. <laughs> I love Toilet Tuesday. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the, they, they couldn't figure out how to flush the toilet in their room. They got it the rest of the house, but in their room, they have a Jack and Jill bedroom, right? They didn't, didn't do it in theirs. So I'm like, well, guess what? You just earned the privilege to clean every toilet in the house on Tuesday. I love it. <laughs> so maybe that's fun. Maybe that's fun to her, right? And that's why you're the fun dad, because you make it fun. See, that's, you, okay, so you just brought up a beautiful one. We don't have to make consequences sad and dreary and you're bad because our kids are not bad. Our kids are great. What might, we were just having a conversation with one of the, our twin son yesterday. He's like, I'm just bad. And we're like, no, no, you're not bad. You're, you're a beautiful soul. You're amazing. You're loving, you're kind. The choices that you're making are very unkind right now. You're making mm -hmm. choices that are not great right now. So you need to think about that. And we're done with the conversation. We're done. The conversation's right. over. Because if the kid keeps going on, what do they want? They want to make you so bonkers you give in to them. That's their job. And that's what that's what many parents do, right? I, I've got the I had this philosophy I picked up with my son. It's like don't do something once you're not willing to do a thousand times. I've also was able to take this into the business world. Mm -hmm. Right? So I created things where in, in my company I got to this point um, where I was so tired and frustrated by being interrupted all day long that I couldn't get anything done. So I just, I used the three types of problems. Normal, abnormal, pathological. If you have a normal problem and you come to me after 90 days, there's a good chance you don't belong in that role is what you're telling me. If it's an abnormal problem, that's great. Come to me with three possible solutions and pick one so I know you did some thinking on it and then we'll have a discussion if you don't have a good, good solution. And what happens is for a while, I mean, and then, and then I, and I narrowed it down to office hours. You can only come between noon and two to bring these to me. So they would come in. I, I'd tell them, hey, we can talk about your kid's soccer game. I don't care. Anything from noon to two we can talk about. But they bring that problem with the solutions. And then the final one was pathological problems. Buildings on fire. We can't make payroll. You know, something crazy. That's 24-7. You can contact me. What I found was after about three months when I got this completely absorbed in the culture that nobody was coming to see me anymore. And it's the same thing you do with children. If you, uh, when my son was a baby, got him to sleep through the night, it took three nights. Yeah. The first night, first night he cried till about two in the morning. The second night was about 11. The second night was about 15 minutes. And after that, you put him in his crib and he was done. Yep. And so, so that's, yeah. And so that's my philosophy. When, when my girls try to negotiate with me, I just, you know, we live in the South now. So I said, you have two options when I ask you to do something. Okay, dad, or yes, sir. Whichever one you want, that's it. We're not negotiating. But I love it. And here's here's the, the what I love. And what we're implementing in our house is that stop looking for problems. There's always opportunity. What's the opportunity? Because we're teaching, our kids are turning 11 and 10 in like nine days now. And we want them to, we're really teaching them ownership. And ownership is realizing that it's not always a problem you need to come tell on or a problem that you know you need to have a meltdown about. It's an opportunity. And you either have an opportunity to solve it or you have an opportunity to come get support to solve it. But there's always right. an opportunity. And you gotta figure out what's the opportunity. Maybe it's an opportunity for connection. Maybe it's an opportunity to look at different resources. Like what's the opportunity here? You know, and if we mm -hmm. just think if all parents have that mindset that there's not problems with their kids, there's opportunity. When you are constantly going to school with your kid because they're constantly in trouble, there's a huge opportunity. That kid needs direction. That kid needs some guidance. That kid is craving that attention 
and they're, they have found a formula to get it, not in the best way, but they're getting it because they don't have self-worth and this is how they get their worth. This is how they know they're worth it because think about it. You have no time for me, but as soon as the principal calls, all of a sudden you could take time off work and all of a sudden you have an hour to come spend the principal's office. Where's that hour if the principal's not calling? Oh, I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. But the minute the principal calls, you have time for me. So guess what? The, the, the kid finds a way to get their parents' time. They get a way to find, hey, I'm worth you seeing. I just have to act up so the principal calls you. And it becomes it becomes a habit. Yeah. So let's, let's try and put a capstone on this. So we're yeah. busy entrepreneurs, but we realize that we need to be better parents. What are our three to thrive? Be curious, not critical. Create an open, safe, and trusting space for your children. And one thing that's a must, you have to have rapport with your children. When you're out of rapport, they're not going to listen to you. How does a parent build rapport with their children? They, how they build rapport with anybody. Like with my kids, they listen to this crazy music. So I, what do I do? I'll go and YouTube them and I'll listen to the music and I'll be like, hey, about that lyrics. And they're like, oh, you listen to them? I'm like, I sure did. They're like, what did you think? And I'm like, well, it has a good beat. She goes, yeah, you want to see my dance? I'm like, sure, let's see your dance. Guess what? Now I'm in report with my daughter. Right. Okay. And then I'll go, but let's talk about the lyrics again. Right. Okay. So, so you find ways, just like you do with anybody, find ways to have an agreement with them, to be on the same page with them, to not feel like they're ju you're judging them. If they feel judged by you, you're out of rapport. If they right. feel like, oh gosh, here comes mom, you don't have rapport with your kids. Oh gosh, yeah. dad's going to say this again. You're out of rapport. Yeah. So when my kids do that, oh, mom's going to say it again. I'm like, what am I going to say? And I like, go ahead, mom. You're going, no, no, no. I want to, I want to know. <laughs> if you really know what I'm going to say, please, I'm going to give you a dollar. And they're like, okay, guess what? Now I'm in rapport. Right. Okay. And then they get it wrong, by the way. So I don't give yeah, a dollar. Yeah, they, they never, they never know. So. No. Vinu, thank you for your time today. This is amazing. I know that I'm going to check your stuff out because I've got two beautiful little angels that deserve deserve their father to do some digging on that. And I'm going to encourage everybody else to do that as well. What is the website we can go to? To vinuinspires.com. It's V-E-E-N-U-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S.com. And if you put a slash ebook, you can download my ebook for free as well. Beautiful. And then the LinkedIn profile? It's all under Inspires. I make it it's easy. It's all You make Everything. it easy. There's a link in there. I do have a Facebook group too if you want to join or if anybody wants to join. It's called Redefine Parenting. Um, th that's the name of my TV show. the name of my podcast. I, I try to make things simple so people have access because, you know, Tony says it's not knowing resources. It's being resourcefulness. And so I make the access to the resources easy and then it's up to you to be resourcefulness. Do the work. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to chatting with you in the future. Absolutely. Hey, again, business family. If you enjoyed or received value out of this episode, please share it. Send it to a friend. See, we don't pay for advertising on this podcast and are strictly word of mouth. And I would love the help to add value to as many business people as I can. Thanks a lot.